I, I entitled this subject Kingdom Mysteries. Kingdom Mysteries. Um, it's somewhat unlike some of the parables in that, in the, in the sense that Jesus uh, uh, taught in parables so that his disciples would understand these amazing mysteries. Actually, he said, uh, to you it has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. But to those who are outside, it is not given. So what that does, it, is in, it informs me that Jesus wants the church to really know who uh, she is or who it is. We, we want you to know who you are. So you have to know who you are. You're not just worldly people, but you add going to church to your life. There is a special something that God has done, and we want to explore that today. Uh, that Jesus is our Savior. Now, the, the subject is, my title is Kingdom Mysteries. That is, we're going to explore what Jesus says about you and what he says to you. Um, and uh, the, firstly, we, uh, before we turn to Acts chapter 2, verses 38 through 40. But I titled this, Jesus our Savior, a subtitle, We Cannot Save Ourselves, We Must Be God-Dependent. We cannot save ourselves. We must be God-dependent. So the first thing is that he wants you to know that you, his people are God-dependent. There are a lot of things that come into Christianity uh, whichever, uh, from whichever culture you belong. Uh, there are things that come into Christianity that are alien that we start to practice as though it is Christianity. They're mostly our thought processes bring in cultural things, and we just think that if we Christianize those things, it's okay to keep them. But that is a wrong approach. We must always be God-dependent. And if someone were to say to you, well, God gave you a brain, and you can think for yourself, you say, I'm not going to think from myself. That's what one thing I refuse to do is think from myself because if you have yourself as a source, you fall in the same condemnation as the devil because the Bible says when he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources. He speaks from his own source. So we're not teaching you to have yourself as a source. We want you to know that the, mysteries, the mystery is, one of the mysteries is that, is that you cannot save yourself. You must live a life of God dependency. Verse 38 says, Then Peter said to them, Repent, and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And, when you, when you repent, he says, And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, I, I did not say this in the first service, but I would like to say it here, that he is not saying that once you're baptized, you've earned the Holy Spirit. What he is saying is that you repent and be baptized, and that once you repent, God will give you the Holy Spirit. God will give you the Holy Spirit. It says, the verse 39 says, For the promise is to you and your children, and to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call. So this, what we're saying here is that the promise of God to give the Holy Spirit to your children is to you. And all the other promises that, that God gives to the church, he's talking here to Jewish people, but, but this this is also for you. Applicably, it is for you. That means we apply it to the Christian life, to, to our relationship with God. He says he's going to give you exceedingly great and precious promises, and they're also made for your children. I, I was telling you in the first service how a, a man once said to me, my son is going to hell. 
and I did not like it at all the way he said it. It was almost like uh, it, was, it was gleeful almost. It's, it's, I know it was bizarre, but it was as though I want him to go to hell because he's so disobedient and disrespectful. I said, what would you say your son's going to hell? And we, we got a little, little kind of, not wasn't heated, but it was a very strong discussion. And I said, why don't you believe God that he won't go? I said, because God has given us, the, I know we have uh, individual salvation, but God has given us also familial salvation. There are many scriptures in the Bible that talk about God saving families. You know, Rahab was a prostitute, and God's going to save the family of a prostitute because she obeys. How much more you? How much more me? You know, we're going to believe that. And uh, they may not do everything the way we want them to do it, but God's going to save them. All right. And so, so here, he says, the promise is for you. Now listen, the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. And Cornelius in Acts chapter 10 showed us that even those who are far off, because when the angel told Cornelius to send for Peter, uh, and Peter who was at Joppa at the time, he said, send for him, and he's going to talk with y'all. So anyway, long story short, Peter goes there, and uh, Cornelius had brought in all of his family members, all of his relatives, and his friends. This is a mystery that God saves those who are far off. And the Bible says, and with many other words, he testified and exhorted them or encouraged them. With many other words, he said this, but then he had a lot of other words. He was encouraging the people who had come to Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit had fallen on them in a powerful way, and they were, were speaking in other languages, other tongues, and, and uh, people heard them talk about the wonderful work of, works of God. It was an evidentiary thing that God was doing there to testify that he was among these people who they thought was half nuts. And this is what he said. Be saved from this perverse generation. He doesn't say save yourself. He doesn't, he didn't say not. He didn't say save yourself. Be saved from this perverse generation. Not save yourself. You can't save yourself. You can't save yourself. And you can't make up what God will and will not do. You can't, you know, we have that, that well, I don't think God would do this. And all this, you know, all this, that kind of adding to the scriptures, right? We don't do that. So he says, be saved from this perverse generation. So he is saying, be saved from this crooked generation. Be saved from this world system that would like to co-opt you, take you, and mold you into something that God has never wanted you to be. Many people, when you travel the world, you see it. It's a worldwide problem. It's a worldwide problem in the church that the church has allowed the culture around them to affect them sometimes more than Christ. The, the church has allowed that, the visible church. Now, there is the church, in, in, the, in the church, though, there, there, are, uh, there is a remnant, and there are people who don't allow that. So we're talking about kingdom mysteries, and these are things you want to know. Uh, be saved from this perverse generation. So don't try to save the, the, the system. Be saved from it. All right? The next little section I want to talk about, he is the Savior of the body. Jesus is the Savior of the body. In Ephesians chapter 5, verses 22 through 24, he tells us, wives, submit to your own husbands. Now, I, I do, I emphasize own, because if you're a wife, you ought not be taking uh, uh, counsel from somebody else's husband, you know, and uh, you won't listen to your own husband. 
You know, you listen to your own husband first, and then you can come to me for counsel. All right? It's going to work that way. But, but if you won't listen to your own husband, you're not going to really listen to me. All right? Or whomever is giving you the counsel. Submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Okay, I did get the women there. I'll get the men later. <laughs> I always want to, to make sure I have these women on my side. Okay. He goes on to say, for the husband is head. This is why he's saying to the wife, submit, because the husband is head. This, has been, this is one of the most misused passages in the scripture. Okay. Uh, many uh, men uh, and so-called men of God have used this to subjugate women, to, to, as it were, put women in their place. That's not what this is about at all. All right. As I said to you in the first service, that Christianity brought freedom to women. So now, since Christianity brought freedom to women, why we want to now subjugate them because of something cultural. That's really wrong and wicked. Now, let me say, you say, well, the Bible says the woman shouldn't even talk in church. I've heard, you know, overzealous men say that. A woman shouldn't even talk in church. I said, well, let me ask you a question, man. I said, uh, is this true that where two or three are gathered, uh, that Jesus is in the midst and the church is there? He said, yeah. I said, but your wife can't even talk at home. She can't talk to you either. Because you're saved, she's saved, so no communication. So that's how ridiculous that is. But the Christianity brought freedom to women. That's why in the Bible in Corinth, those women were talking in church. But, but, but the problem is they were interrupting stuff. Uh, can you imagine saying, hey, whatever husband's name is, hey, hey, uh, Tommy, what does he mean by that, Levi? Or whatever. You know, and he said, come on, y'all interrupting. Y'all do that at the house. That's what he's saying. <laughs> do that, Paul saying, do that at the house. He says here, wives submit because the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is head of the church. Now listen, and the, is the savior of the body. So, then, so he wants us to know that this headship, fellowship, and all of that is working for your good, whether you're the man or the woman, the husband or the wife, the pastor or the congregation. He says, therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Now, this is what Jesus is after. Christ Jesus looks out for and protects his body in all situations and circumstances. And he is the savior of the church, which is his body. So in the same way, in the same manner, a husband should be the protector of his wife who is one flesh with him. So he must be protecting her, looking out, for her at all times. You know, this is amazing truth, and I think we should spend more time on these relationships, not the superficiality of it, but spend more time because what he's saying is, okay, wife, be subject to your own husbands, listen to your husbands, but husband, you need to love your wife just like you love yourself, like you love your body. Jesus protects the body. Now, if a woman doesn't feel protected, she might not submit. But can I tell you, if a church, if we felt like, sometimes when we feel like, we are not protected by Jesus, and we do, men and women, we feel unprotected. Well, why is the Lord allowing this, and why is this happening, why? Then you start to walk from under your covering, in a sense, in a real sense. And so that's what he's getting to. Jesus protects his body in all situations. This is what this is saying to all of us who are in this house. There are times in your walk with the Lord that you won't like what he's doing. Now, I know there's some real religious folks who say, I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. <laughs> you can rebuke all you want to. You keep living. 
There's some times you just want to understand. You know, I think we can get to a place where we just say, yes, Lord, yes, Lord. See, I'm, all, I'm as the young kids would, have, would say, I'm 72 and a half. <laughs> I mean, there was a time I was like 40 or 45. But when, you, you know, when you're little, you say, I'm six and a half because you want to be big. Yeah. Then when you get to my age, you say 72 and a half because you want to be younger. <laughs> But, 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 but this is what happens. If you keep living, you'll find out that there are things that, that happen in your life. You'll be, man, Lord, is this right? Is this your will? Jesus, you know. But, he said, but the Bible is saying here, no, no, God is protecting you at all times. That means that, that, that God is looking out for you. Sometimes you're in the ring of life, and there's somebody on, in the ring against you. They're bigger, they're stronger, they're faster, but you've got to fight them you know, so to speak. Now, I know I teach you that we don't fight the devil. We fight the good fight of faith. That's what we do. But, but if, if you could allow me with this analogy, and we got Oliver here, Brother Oliver. Here, he's been in the ring with some tough guys, you know, and there were times you had to say, I've got to pull from what's in me, you know, because, because God might be so quick, you hit him, he's gone or whatever. And, and that's the way life is. Situations come and they're so nerve-wracking and bothersome and bad and you feel ill-equipped. Why is this happening, Jesus? He says, I'm developing you. Because you can tell me, if you can't deal with this issue, why do we go on to more growth? And so God is using these things to grow us and to strengthen us and to make us better and, and allowing things to come, life to come at us. And after a while, when you're younger, sometimes you, you go, oh, I don't know what to do. And after a while, Jesus said, well, do this. And you do whatever he says. And then, oh, whoa, it works. Or maybe he says, stay right here. And you stay right there. There are times you will not like what you get. And just because something happened, you made a decision and something did not happen according to your expectations doesn't mean you were wrong. These are things you learn. These are mysteries that you learn in the kingdom, and you, you're learning always. You say, well, I made this mistake, and I made, messed up. No, you didn't. God grew you uh, exponentially in that situation where you thought you made a bad move. God is just amazing like that. These are things we're learning in the kingdom of God. He is the Savior of the body. He protects his own. G Jesus is not an unfaithful husband. And so sometimes, ladies, your husband isn't as bad as you think either. Yeah, because sometimes, or should I have to move on quickly? <laughs> yes, amen. Because sometimes you may not agree with him, but that has nothing to do with your submission. See, because if you, if you don't agree, you still submit and trust God. Because God knows what he's doing. And if that is a godly man, if he doesn't know what he's doing, you're going to soon find out. But if he doesn't, God is not going to let you have a disastrous end. All right? So here the emphasis has been placed on how and to what measure Christ protects his own. So Christ does uh, protect his own. He is the savior of the nation always. This is always little tough things here to talk about. But in John chapter 11, verses 49 through 52, uh, he is the savior of the nation. I said this because in every nation where we travel, we find that there is this clash uh, between the church uh, and, and, and the world system. And many Christians don't know what to do, they say. And uh, it's in every place you go in the world. It's definitely here in our nation. And I, I know in the past I've spoken about it figuratively, but I'm not going to, I figured I won't, would stop speaking figuratively here. Um, 
this is a, an amazing st statement here. This is one of those mysteries that God gives us an understanding of things around us and others don't have them. And so if God, if the, the people with understanding don't seem to understand, we have a hopeless world. It's totally hopeless. So let's look at this. And one of them, Caiaphas, being high priest that year, said to them, you know nothing at all, nor do you consider that it is expedient for us that one man should die for the people and not that the whole nation should perish. Now, this he did not say on his own authority, but being high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus would die for the nation and not for that nation only, but also that he would gather together in one the children of God who were scattered abroad. So here you got a, a religious leader, Caiaphas. He is the high priest. That means uh, he is really um, uh, the head of the religious system in Judaism. He is the top person. The king is not top. He's the, he was the top. Of course, at that day, they had Rome there. Rome was, was the civil authority, but he was the religious authority uh, of the people. And so but he was a wicked man. Now, this is very important for believers to understand. He was a wicked man. And he wanted a, a way to kill Jesus, to get rid of Jesus, to destroy Jesus. And he said to them, because they were concerned that Jesus was, at one juncture, so popular, they said the whole world's going after him. And after he raised Lazarus from the dead, boy, they were really mad because people were going to say, man, he raised this man who was four days dead. He raised him from the dead. And, and they were really bothered. So the attitude uh, in Jerusalem was, we're going to kill him. That's the church talking. And, and if you're a Christian, say, so we just ought to kill them all. You're like sitting in Caiaphas', Caiaphas seat. You're like Caiaphas. Caiaphas, the man who murdered Jesus. So you, you, if you want to kill somebody because you are somehow offended, then you are standing in Caiaphas' shoes. You have to be careful about that. And, and listen, these, but these are things that we know that others don't seem to know. So anyway, uh, he said that uh, it is time uh, to get rid of this man, Jesus. And by, while we're at it, this is a religious man. He said, let's kill Lazarus too. Let's kill not only Christ, but let's kill the ones he's affected. Right? That was Caiaphas, the high priest, the, the ones who were supposed to be the keepers of the sayings or oracles of God. The, 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 one, the one who had the law of God. So you have to be careful how you deal with the world system. And the kingdom of heaven, you got everything in it, but you don't have to be a part of that. You don't have to be a part of that, that foolishness. Caiaphas had more concern about carnal things than God's kingdom. So he didn't have thoughts about the kingdom. He had thoughts about fleshly, natural stuff. So the church is not just... Um, uh, some, a natural uh, organization, it's an organism, and the life of, of God flows through the church. So that makes us different. And I do know that there are men and women who go to church who will say, but you've got to use your head. Well, certainly we use our head, but we don't use our head uh, as a source. You know, it's not my, my source. Jesus is my source. The Holy Spirit living in me is my source. He is what is informing me not by not what I see or hear, not what I, I get all aroused because I watched a, a television clip and, and I'm as frenzied and crazy as, as the ungodly people who put it together. That's not what it's supposed to be because we are the people of God. We are, we are, we are el pueblo de Dios, 
people of God, el pueblo de Dios, we are the people from God. So we are of God, from God. And we are not to be that way, right? This is one of the mysteries, how God works that. He says, um, so, um, how am I doing that? Yeah, Caiaphas uh, was concerned about uh, carnal things, natural things. He made a decision to protect his interests rather than the interests of God. That's what Caiaphas did. He made a decision to trust his interests rather than the interests of God. So whenever we, uh, those of us who are believers and living in this pivotal time, we cannot protect our interests in lieu of protecting, as it were, God's interests. So we should be looking out, what does God want? What is God saying? How is he leading me? You say, well, that doesn't make any sense because why would God? No, I'm not looking for this to make sense here. I just want to know what did God say? The results are his. I belong to God. You belong to God. Do we know anything about ownership? You are not your own. You have been purchased at a price. So you're not here to say, well, God, that doesn't make any sense to me. Therefore, I'm not. No. No. You know, you know if you want to talk about the natural mind, it doesn't make any sense to send your son to die for people who hate you and him. Naturally. Sending people... Uh, sending people you love into a bad situation to where the heathen's going to try to destroy them it makes absolutely no sense. So you can't look out for your interests and not the Lord's interests. So, so a lot of times we take positions based on our interests rather than God's interests. I'm talking to somebody in this house. Yeah, we, we formulate views based on that. Well, you know, what about this? What about that? What about the economy? What about, what about uh, 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 my child over here? What about my future? What about my retirement? You know, no. What is God saying to you? You know, when God told Abraham, I want you to leave uh, 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 Ur of the Chaldees, and I want you to go to a land I'll show you. But, well, Lord, okay, now what am I going to find over there? Are there any buses running? Do they run every, every so many hours? Well, what's over there, you know? I mean, no, I mean, are, is there a job over there for me? Uh, is everybody going to like me? Uh, you know, I've heard they're crazy in Canaan. You know, uh, you know, no, no, no. He says, go. Till then, I'll show you. And then he took him to a place he would show him. So what I'm saying is we, we always want God to do great miracles. But this, the, one of the mysteries for me is, we, we, you know, is that God saying, if you, if you go, I'll tell you as it were on the way, or I'll tell you when you get there. Yes, yes. That's how God yes. generally works. But we want God to bless us in all these multitude of ways, but we, we have to know before we go. I don't know before I go, all right? That's what God, God is doing that because you are a people different than all the other people of the earth. Now see, he's, uh, so he made this interest, he made a decision to protect his own interest rather than God's interest. See, God's plan was to save that nation, but not in a carnal or natural way. See, but Caiaphas, being ignorant of, what, of God's plans, took, used his wicked hands to mess everything up. Jesus said this. This is why I know God was willing to plan, uh, rather was planning to save the nation. The, the, Jesus told the Jews, he said, John the Baptist is the Elijah who is to come. John is Elijah. He says what? J Elijah was coming before the great and notable day of the Lord. He was going to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, the hearts of the children to the fathers, and the hearts of the fathers to the children. That was what he was going to do. That's what he was going to do. And so he says, e John is Elijah. So what he was saying is, I'm planning to save all of y'all. 
right? I'm planning to save all the nation, all of you, right? I'm trying to save all of you. But Caiaphas didn't want to use God's plan. He was using his plan. Now, where was Caiaphas standing? That's the same thing about the devil. He was standing in the same condemnation as the devil. So when you use your own mind in, in, in lieu of the mind of Christ, you're in the same place. Man, this is something that you've got to know. I know that, and I, and I rebuke myself. I, I trust that you, I have people healthy enough to rebuke yourself. Remember uh, how in the old cowboy movies, I, I watched almost all of them. You know, I mean, I love those old cowboy movies. And uh, sometimes old, your hero would get shot, and he'd say, uh, hey, you got to bring that knife. He said, oh, Jim, yeah, bring it here. Cut it out. Get that butt out. And they cutting him all up, digging that old, that old buoy knife they ever have, digging it down in there. You know, they had to kill everybody, even your hero, you know. <laughs> but they were, they were there. I was a kid. They'd dig it out there, and they'd pop that bullet out. And they just said, you know, no, you'd bleed to death, but it, they put a little band-aid, a little dirty band-aid over it, <laughs> a little old white cloth or something in there, <laughs> you know. But anyway, let, let me get let me get back on my message. But, but, some, but sometimes what God wants us to know is that, is that he is doing a great work in, in the earth and he wants us to walk it out with him. But he, was, he pl plans to do things, but not in a carnal way. He's not saying that he didn't want to save the nation. He wants to save every nation. He wants to save our nation. But you and I cannot do it by human means. All right. That's what I want to say. Because human means, says, God says concerning human means, my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. So what God is saying here is that human machinations, human thinkings, and whatever that is they're doing here, uh, will not accomplish what God wants. So if you're using human means, you know that you are not accomplishing what God wants. And so God has made this known to the church, but the world doesn't know it. Okay, let me, let me move on. Kingdom duties. Kingdom duties. You have duties, and God lets, causes you to know what these duties are because you are, you are Christ followers, so you know what these duties are. He says in Matthew chapter 22, verse 21, Matthew 22, verse 21, he says to them, he said to them, render therefore to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. And so what happened was the, the Jewish leadership wanted to take Jesus and trap him in his talk. And uh, they had brought uh, a coin, they, they come to him rather and said, uh, Jesus, is it lawful for us as Jews to pay tribute to Caesar? He said, he knew they were trying to trap him. So he said, well, give me a coin. Has anybody got a coin? They gave him this denarius, and he said, he says, whose uh, image and, and superscription is this? They said, it's Caesar's. He said, well, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and, the God, the things, uh, and to God the things that are God's. And so what Jesus is saying, he's given us an understanding that we know the difference between being a good citizen and being a good Christian. I think I'm going to talk to them. I must be touching y'all. I'm going to come back after a while. These, these, these are the saved folks. 
See, we have to know the difference. Oh, re render, render. It, uh, it means I give back. I give back to Caesar what is Caesar's. I give back to God what's God. To return, to restore, uh, to, to render as something that is due, to give back. And so in the Spanish language, we would use the verb deber, deber. You know, I ought to or you owe. You know, you owe or you ought to. That's a good verb, deber. Actually, I was looking up the definition to make sure I knew what must meant. And, uh, and I said, well, what does must mean? I know what must means, but I wanted to amplify it. And of course, I, I realized they had in there, in my English thing, debeth. I thought, oh, ah, th these, these English people know Spanish too. <laughs> so pay to what is owed to Caesar. Let me, let, me, let me move here. What's owed Caesar? Obedience, taxes, fear, as in respect. That means we should respect government and honor. Romans 13, 1 through 7. Romans 13, 1 through 7. So let every soul be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God, and those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers are not a terror to good works but to evil. Do you want to be unafraid of the authority? Do what is good, and you will have praise from the same. For he is God's minister to you for good. But if you do evil, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is God's minister and an avenger to execute wrath on him who practices evil. Let me just talk a little bit about that. He says, let every soul be subject to the governing authorities. Uh, so what he's saying is that God has instituted government. Government keeps us from anarchy. Now, he's not saying that every ruler, every leader is totally right, and you and I just subjugate, yes, 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 yes. That's not what he's saying. He's saying government itself is of God. Uh, and, and so what he wants us to know is that there is proper deportment, that we have to uh, uh, comport ourselves properly, conduct ourselves properly uh, and, and orderly because government is of God. So that means I can disagree with the government, but I don't have the right to go there and destroy the government because I disagree. That's what he's saying. To, now, we know that, but some of us don't act like that. Can I just go a little deeper? Remember the Bowie knife? <laughs> you, you know, if my party, the one I prefer is in, then I like everything is cool. It's wonderful. No matter what they do, it's all right. Huh? But if my party is not in, everything they do, they're doing is wrong. I'm not talking about the world. I'm talking about Christians. That's, that's, that's not right. So we know that all authorities of God, so it doesn't matter what position I hold in the world, the authorities of God. So if, if I don't like the person in the office, I still need to pray for the person in the office and, and be a, a good citizen. I don't have a right to be bad. Does that make any sense? Because, let me tell you, this is really big. This is potent. Because if I resist that person that I don't particularly like, he says, I am resisting the ordinance of God. I'm just saying we need some holy conduct. All right? We need some holy conduct. You know, and, and we are able to do this. Why? We always preach it in this fellowship. Christ in you. <laughs> right? You don't like the person in office, 
and you bad-mouthing them, you are resisting the ordinance of God. And some of us have done it, and you can just quickly bow your head and say, forgive me, Jesus. <laughs> it's acceptable. I, I remember a number of years ago, I didn't like a particular president. I was a young man, very young man, didn't like a particular president. And I just thought he was, I thought this guy wants to be a king, blah, blah, blah. And I was, didn't like him. And when I got really good and saved, the, the Lord, <laughs> the Lord had me repent. Really, I, I repented. I repented in a public way. I don't want to bring up his name now, but I repented in a public way. I said, Lord, I was wrong. I'm so sorry. I, I didn't know how to conduct myself. You know, there is a proper way to conduct yourself. And anyway, anybody who has audience with God ought to know how to conduct yourself. Because when you are in the presence of people with good manners, you learn them too. And, and you're in the presence of God? Come on. Come on, somebody. Is this too heavy? So verse 5 says, therefore, you must be subject. Not only because of wrath, but also for conscience sake. So if you can do some of this bad talking and feel, feel good about it, whoa, you're standing in the wrong place. Okay, I better, I better move on. Okay, let me go down. Okay, verse 7 says, render therefore, I skip verse 6, render to, therefore to all their due. It says to the believer, you give everybody their due. You, you give them their due. Taxes to whom taxes are due. Sometimes we want to do something about that, don't we? Customs to whom customs, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. Then he says, verse 8, one of my favorite, one of my favorites. Owe no one anything except to love one another, for he who loves another has fulfilled the law. Now this is what he's saying to us. If you have disagreements in, the, in, in any of the above things that I've shared, now, now that you have the love of God, he says, now just love everybody. And you can do it. No, you can do it way back there. Way in the back. You can do it. And you can do it way over there. You can love. You have the key as a believer because Christ in you, the Holy Spirit, whom God has poured out liberally in your heart by, the, by his own great power, he has given you love. So the love of God is poured out in you by the Holy Spirit. So now, now listen to what he says. For the, for the commandments. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. You shall not covet. And if there's any other commandment, all are summed up in this saying, namely. He says, you, you can name these, these or you can go beyond. He says, well, listen, all the commandments are summed up in this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So what he's saying is, even the person you are opposed to you love them just like you love yourself. You know, you don't have any of those fist fight arguments. You know, you're a believer. No, I know, I know. I, know. I was just trying to knock the Holy Ghost in him. That's all. You know, <laughs> none of that, right? So, so everything is fulfilled in your love for your, your neighbor. He says, love does, not harm, does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. And what he's saying is, if you love, you've done what God wants. When you love, you've done what God wants. Amen. Okay. I I'm going to take a few more minutes. Are you all right with me? Okay. Now, pay 
Like you pay what, uh, what is owed to Caesar, you pay what is owed to God. Now, now I'm not going to be able to enumerate all or, or amplify these things, but let me just say, this is what you owe to God. You owe honor, worship, devotion, loyalty, your love, obedience, and your faithfulness. You owe these things to God. You owe God, you owe obedience to God. So if the Lord tells you to do something, it just because it doesn't make sense to your natural mind, you don't ignore it. You know? So these are things we know that the world doesn't know. Let me read something to you from Matthew chapter 19, 16 through 22. Matthew 19, verses 16, 16 through 22. Now behold, one came to him, came to Jesus, uh, and said, Good teacher, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? So he said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but one that is God. But if you want to enter into life, keep the commandments. And so we, so we know that Jesus has told us here in, uh, through, through Paul in Romans chapter 13, verse 10, that we have to love. But you don't have to make yourself love. All you have to do is be in the faith. Christ in you is love. The, lo the love of God has already been poured out into your hearts through the Holy Spirit. You have the Holy Spirit? So you have a generous portion of love. More than you could ever use. More than you'll even need. Yeah. So you're ready. Now listen to what he says. No one is good but God. Why do you call me good? No one is good but God. No one is, no one is good but one. That is God. But if you want to enter into life, keep the commandments. He said to him, which ones? Now this is a guy who seems to me to be looking for a way out. Escape clause. Which ones? <laughs> Jesus said to him, the same thing that Paul uses in Romans 13. The same you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, don't lie. Honor your father and your mother, and you shall love your neighbors yourself. Now, he says honor your father and your, your mother here, but uh, Paul says here that um, if there's any other commandment, all are summed up in this love. So he's showing you, so essentially, these two are the same. So he's saying to the rich young ruler, this is what you do. So the young man said to him, all these things I've kept from my youth, what do I still lack? Jesus said to him, if you want to be perfect, go sell what you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come follow me. Jesus gave him the same requirements as Paul is giving us. Then let's see what this young man did. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possession. Wow. Wow. Now, Jesus told him, if you will sell all that you've got, you know, give it to the poor, distribute it to the poor, then you will have a heavenly investment. This is amazing. The guy said, wow, I, I, I can't do that. But Jesus is saying to the church, I want you to abandon all that you think you know all the natural positions you've held, all of that stuff, the positions you've taken uh, brother against brother, sister against sister, is I want you to abandon it all. I want you to give it up. 
And if you have anything that you're holding on to other than me, give it up. And just come and follow me. And, and so you and I know now if we trust Jesus, we know those of us who walked with him for a while, we know he makes you better. He makes you better. I've not always known what I'm preaching. And sometimes I didn't want to learn anymore because every time he was teaching me, I had to go through stuff. Really. I'm not trying to be cute. And some of you who are young, you go, well, I don't know. You're right. You don't know. So you need to listen to those of us who do. You need to listen to us. Listen. The, the same prob the problem that the rich young ruler had, not letting go of his privilege, of his, of his priority, position, position of priority, all of the things that we Americans really enjoy. I told you I love getting on the plane first. I, I'm, I'm priority. I love putting my, my, my carry-on bags over my head. And I've had the people, I've gotten on there when I was at the bottom of the barrel, I've gotten on the plane and everybody was gone, er, had gone in front of me and they, and they were sitting five, six, seven, eight, ten rows back and their bags were over my place. So I love my priority. I love my status. I love my privilege. I love my advantages. But I've learned to give them up yes. for Jesus. To follow him. Love does not harm its neighbor. This is a secret, a mystery. This is how we can be from every nation, every tongue, every kindred, every tribe. Because love doesn't hurt. Love doesn't hurt. Love doesn't say me and my four no more. And those of us who are hearing the word and continuing to resist the word will give an account to the word. We will give an account to the word. So I want us to just deal with this kingdom of heaven so that we'll walk this thing out. It's not all goosebumps. Sometimes you have to cry. Cry. You beg God, oh God, help me to do everything you want. So everything that God wants me to do, I've not said, I'll do it. Because I was, I think I was born with too much fire in the belly. I pray against it all the time. And I'm finding it doesn't flame up like it used to. You know? And, and it can, the same thing for you. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ, I want you to just say, raise your hand for me and just say, Pat, and leave it up until somebody sees it. We recognize you. We're going to pray for you. If you don't know Jesus and you want to know Jesus, you don't want to be lost when Jesus comes. You want, to, you, want to, you want Jesus to take you to heaven with him, and certainly we're going to go. I see your hand, precious. Thank you. Is there another one? Anybody? You want, to, you want to give your heart to Jesus? This is a perfect time. Okay, yes, ma'am, I see your hand. Is there someone else? Anybody? Yes. Out here? Oh, yes, sir, I see your hand. I'm so grateful. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. Anyone else? You know, you know, the Bible calls foolish, it says, God, it pleased God by, through the foolishness or by the foolishness uh, of the message preached to save some. You know, you know, I used to think, well, that could be right. But you know what, it's, it's foolishness in my view. I don't know if this is exactly how the scripture wants to in, interpret it, but it's kind of foolish to say, say to preach to people, you don't have to go to hell. Don't go to hell. Don't go to hell. Let Jesus go. Don't go to hell. 
and there's good. You know, it's kind of a foolish kind of. To me, I, it may mean a lot more than that. It means also, you know, that a bleeding, bloody, bloody, helpless man, dying man can save you. It means that also and, and, and other things. Is there an, another person who says, I would like to be saved today? Anybody? Are we, are we good? Okay, I'm going to pray for you. Now, if you raise your hand, I want somebody who knows that person raise their hand. I want you to touch them for me. And I'm going to pray in just a second. Can you, will you do that? You, you touch somebody. You know that person. You touch them. Yes, yes, thank you so much. Was there anybody in here ra who raised his or her hand? Yes. I think there was one person, right? Okay. Okay. Everybody with somebody? Okay. We're going to pray. Father God, we're thankful to you that your people who love you, they're here, they love you. They've given themselves to you. We pray, Jesus, that you would minister to the lives of those who raise their hand that you would forgive them of their sins today as they ask you to forgive them of sin and that as they ask you to forgive them of sin. And we pray that they would accept your offer of salvation and walk in the truth of God today. And then they will be invited into the family of God who knows divine secrets. And that is they, are, they know what pleases God. And so we want to thank you for each one of them. And I pray, Lord God, in Jesus' name, that, that all good things would, would be given to them. In your name, amen. Amen. Okay.